fans welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and we're episode 158 yes have you ever thought what it's like we wanderers in the fourth dimension nobody in the universe can do what we're doing i've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the tardis should be free of the force field now there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes the trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time change my dear and it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, howdy do, who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week. And that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. Related. <laughs> I thought of it We've nailed that now, haven't we? We've nailed it. Oh, it's, it's totally done. <laughs> After weeks, months <laughs> of you years. not thinking it was the word related. What was I used to say? Wise. Wise, yeah. Who wise, which doesn't even make sense. Yeah, poor old Gaz has got the man flu. Yeah, if I sound a bit man flu, I do apologise. You get much sympathy. You think anyone's listening going, oh. Well, I can't expect going, any. Get over it. Do you know what? I can't <laughs> expect any because... Uh, you don't give any, I, I know. I, I, you know that about me. I'm terrible with sick people. Whenever I'm around yeah. sick people, I'm just like, oh, pit. That <laughs> <laughs> was almost there. I, I I honestly think that in my head though. I think you I'll self bleeped just... yourself there. That I was did. really well done. I just can't do sick people, mate. I've got no no sympathy. Yeah, so I can't no expect sympathy. anybody. Yeah, no, he has no sympathy for people when they're ill, do you? I don't know why. It's may, yeah. maybe it's that harsh upbringing. I don't know. Whenever I was ill, I'm going to stay home from school. I feel really bad. Just stone a, heart you've got. Just a clip round the ear and shoved out the door and deal with it. So. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> How have you been, mate? What have you been up to? Anything? Yeah, who, anything? Good. Doctor Who wise? Uh, Doctor Who wise? Um, not as yeah. It's been a bit quiet compared to last week, but uh, I had a couple of little goodies dropped through the letterbox um, this Ooh, week. Me too. I, I think it's the same as you. Oh, is it? Maybe. I was ask if you got them because yeah, I didn't. We didn't get a chance before we we kicked off recording. So is it the new soundtracks? Have yeah. you got them as well? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. So the Dalek soundtrack and Survival. Yes. So, yeah, they're lovely, aren't they? Really, really nice. They are nice. The new covers by um, Clay, Clayton. Clay, Clayton Hickman. Yeah. Yeah, look very nice. And uh, I was in two minds about trying to get hold of the vinyl editions, but I thought, um, I'm kind of not collecting vinyl right now. So, yeah, the CDs it is. I, do, I must admit, I saw that they've just announced the vinyls for these, and I thought, oh, they look really nice. And it, it looks like they're going to do more, because they've got this picture of the spine, haven't they, which makes up a picture of the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. So it yeah. looks like maybe they've got some more soundtracks in the planning, which I really hope is the case. It's really funny, <laughs> though, because, you know, um, Clayton Hinkman has an obsession with the TARDIS, you know, the different different versions of it over the years. And it's mm-hmm. something me and you both love following on his Twitter page, isn't it? All the inaccuracies and, and stuff. And the, the first thing I noticed when they showed the 
picture of the spine. So when you buy all the vinyls, it's going to make up the picture of the TARDIS. First thing I notice is the image is flipped. So it's actually the, it's the wrong way around. I'm oh, thinking no. now, now will it actually be, <laughs> is that, is that just the promotional picture has been flipped by mistake or, or have they made that error? Because Clayton's done these lovely covers for him. And if he sees that spine with the St. John's ambulance sticker on the left-hand side of the TARDIS, I think he's going to go mad. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's the actual real thing or if it's just a, uh, um, a promo image uh, mistake, but yeah, he won't like that if that is the case. Yeah, but they I do can't... look blimmin' nice. I must admit, I'm quite tempted with them. I was as well when I first saw mm. them because I, I didn't think they were going to release them as uh, on vinyl. No, but when I saw them, I was like, ooh, do like a bit of vinyl. But yeah, I just haven't bought any in ages, so I thought oh, I'm not going to splash the cash on these at the minute. But the cds are nice aren't they i bet were you like me when you opened the dalek one did you like the because the the cds actually got a really cool picture of like a dalek on it isn't it it looks Mm. really nice and i was like oh that's cool it's a nice little touch for the you know Mm. because they don't make a lot of effort generally manufacturers with um cds these days they're very basic normally it's normally like one card sleeve and that's your lot but they've Mm -hmm. yeah just you know nice little touch but I don't know about you, mate, but then I was thinking, oh, I wonder what the survival one's like then, because the Dalit <laughs> one looks really nice. I opened the survival one, and it's it's a bit bland in comparison, isn't it? It's just like a three <laughs> scratch marks and an orange CD, and it's like, oh. Just a little It doesn't bit. look as visually striking, but it's a, it's a nice soundtrack, though. I really like the survival one. It's really cool. Really nice, yeah. yeah. The, the Dalit one's a bit more experimental. I don't know how much you've listened to him, but... I think the Dalek one is really cool in that it you can sort of close your eyes and imagine the story, but it's, um, yeah, the survival one, I would say, is a bit more easy listening, everyday listening, I would think. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I would I would agree. I think the survival one yeah. has got more of a, it's kind of true to the episode kind of feel, if you like. It's yeah. what you would expect, yeah. whereas the Dalek one is a little bit more hippie, a bit more mm. up in the cloud sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit way out. It's very 60s. And as always, when I get to that final track, the tea's getting cold. Mm. It's just a tear in your eye, isn't it? It's a lovely bit of music, that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I always thought it was Mark Hare, because it's um, it's Dominic Glenn, isn't it? Dominic Glynn? Dominic Dominic Glynn, Glynn, yes. Yeah, I always thought it was Mark Hare. I don't know why I get them mixed up, because he did a lot for Sylvester's. (laughs) Well, he does a lot of the remastering, doesn't he? But he did do, like, Greatest Show and stuff like that. But so yeah, two very nice soundtracks. As I said, they look nice as well in the collection, don't they? Just covers and everything just look spot on. So yeah, very nice. Apart from that, I haven't got much. I've I've just I nipped into town this morning, um, and I picked up a little you know the Doctor Who figurines magazine where you get yes. like a little figure on the front of it. Yep. Um, this week's or is it fortnightly? Whatever it is, uh, is um, Pig Pilot. You know the little pig in the spacesuit. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's so strange because that thing was only on screen for. Probably two seconds, wasn't it? It really wasn't in it very much. But it's such a cool little figurine. Um, and, and they're very hit and miss, that magazine. Mm. Some of them, I think, look brilliant, and some of them just don't. Um, but they they seem to have upped their game a bit recently because the Alpha Centauri one they did was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, this one's really cool. I'm, I was so chuffed to, to see him in Smiths. I was like, oh, they've got him, pick pilot. So, yeah, I picked that up this morning, which is quite cool. He's going to look good on the shelf next to Alpha mini alpha oh yeah yeah sure so yeah so that's it really so just that and the soundtracks have been quite good otherwise trying not to spend so yeah not bad coolio i'm saying very quiet for me apart from the soundtracks which are really awesome yeah Uh, i'm really glad they're doing those you know because a lot of people that missed out with the the 50th anniversary um 
special edition one that you've got, you know, with the TARDIS model and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, That's, It's got most of it on there, but you've got, because these are the full soundtracks, like every single piece of music that the entire episode or serial mm. is on there. So it's a great way to, because your mind sort of plays the episode as you're listening to the music. It's really cool. I don't know if you have yeah. that, but when I'm listening yeah, to I a do. piece of, yeah. yeah, my mind goes to those scenes in, in the TV. Show. Yeah, it's really cool. So I hope they do a lot more of those. I'd hope so because I'd say I'd love one for remembrance. Um, because is it? Uh, yeah, it is remembrance on that. You know the box set you're on about. They've done. They sort of had exclusives on that box set, so there's longer versions of what's on the standard CD or, or that 50th CD. Mm-hmm. So they did an extended version, I think, of the remembrance suite. Oh yes. And yep. I remember thinking, ah, oh, brilliant! That'll have all the little bits I like. And it sort of didn't. It was mostly the sort of same thing. I don't know, but there were bits missing, and I was thinking a bit like you. I was thinking what I really want. It's just the whole soundtrack because yeah. they haven't put the bits in a one. The same with Time and the Rani, actually, because I love the brain theme, which oh, yeah. I assumed yeah. would be on it. And it's not, you know, the. Dun, 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 oh, yes. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. I thought that's bound to be on it. No, it's not. <laughs> so things like that, you know, even a Time and the Rani soundtrack, I'd, I'd love it. I, lo- I love the 80s music mm. from that, that era. It's awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they'll do more. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Last week, I was a bit dismayed. Oh, because I only pick up the Doctor Who magazine every now and then if there's yeah. a particular story or interview that I'm interested in. And I really wanted this month's one with McCoy because I you know, really wanted to read the interview that he did. And I was in town, went into WH Smith quite early in the morning and they didn't have it, surprisingly, because normally they've got it in there straight away. All good. They're like, no, no, we haven't had it yet. So I went into Sainsbury's, my local Sainsbury's that evening. And she said, no, no, we haven't had it delivered yet. I thought, this mm. is really weird because you guys have normally got it out on the shelf launch day or at least, you know. They uh, sometimes get it the day before, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I went into Sainsbury's, uh, what day is it today? Wednesday on Monday this week. And I thought they're bound to have it now. A couple of days in the week, the weekend's gone. They must have it. I went in there, still none of them. So I said, where's the Doctor Who magazine? She went, oh yeah, it's a bit weird. We haven't, we haven't been sent any of those. We normally get them quite early. It's funny you say that because um, where I bought, I bought Pig Pilot from Smith's uh, this morning mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't have it either. And I just thought, I, I was thinking that's really weird because I just thought, oh, they must have sold out because they've got loads of the back issues of the, you know, they've done quite a few specials recently. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so they've got loads of back issues of that on the shelf. And then where Doctor Magazine normally is, like next to them it was nothing mm-hmm. I was, and i thought that was odd i thought oh maybe it's sold out that's really good but now i'm thinking no it sounds like they didn't get it then so that is weird i mean i i subscribe to it so i get it folded up and shoved through the letterbox every month but <laughs> but uh yeah i do normally see it you know in my local news agents and i always see it if i go into smith so yeah, yeah maybe they've had a bit of a distribution error hmm. well i always it's see weird. it yeah the episodes of the, oh sorry the episode the issue that i'm not particularly fussed about buying they're everywhere you know yeah. this this one that I want to buy. I can't seem to find it. So I'm back in Sainsbury's to do a, a wee food shop later. So I'll have another looky there, see if they've got them. But yeah, I might have to um, might have to jump online. Yeah, how strange. Yeah, yeah, because it's a nice cover with McCoy, and um, it's a good it's a good issue actually. Yeah, it's well worth getting this week, this month. Sorry, yeah, well worth getting. Yeah, if you like the McCoy era, which we do, which we do very much so. We do. Shall we crack on with some news? Yeah, we should. We've got a little bit of news and some good merchy bits, haven't we? Let's get into it, yeah. Yeah. 
timely bit of news this week. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of other news, but worthy of, of discussion on the podcast is we all have Bessie, don't we? They're all Bessie. I'm all Bessie. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, do it. Do us a doctor impression. I can't do I it. I can't do it, mate. Go on, do him saying Bessie. Ours are Bessie. We all love our Bessie. Well, you're, that's too good for me to... To try and Terrible. best, I'm afraid. There's nothing like John Pogue. How would he do it? Well, oh, he's got I a list know. for a start. <laughs> Bessie. There you go. Good old Bessie. Oh, Bessie. Yeah. yeah. So, Bessie, the vintage car that was famous for the third Doctor and his travels around various countrysides and even quarries from time to time, mm. uh, is going on display in Hampshire at the National Motor Museum. Ooh. How do you say this place? Oh, I was yeah. I noticed this. Baloo, is it Baluli, Baloo? I have no idea. Actually. I think I've never just, heard of the place. Hmm, yeah. I think it's just Baloo. Baloo, yeah. Baloo, possibly. Anyway, the National Motor Museum in Hampshire. That's a better way to describe it. In Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's going on display, along with loads of other really cool cars from uh, TV and film over the years. So they've got uh, uh, Bond's uh, Jaguar. They've got the little light blue Ford Angular from Harry Potter. Uh, they've got Mr. Bean's Mini <laughs> um, and Elvis's um, uh, Cadillac and so on, all on display. I love that, that Bessie's joining these other iconic cars. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, they've got Dale Boy's Robin, Robin Reliant there as well. So, no, I think so too, mate. I think it's it's really cool. Um, I'm wondering what happened to his futuristic, the Hoomobile. Who's got that? The Hoomobile. Think... That, that, didn't that get dusted down recently? I'm sure I saw that someone had started restoring it or something. Really? I thought he went to a private collector. Oh, it might, it may well be. It may well be, but it definitely yeah. came out for something recently because I was like, wow. Right, right. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think it's owned by a private collector, yeah. Yes. Um, so actually, at the um, that Hoomobile you speak of, uh, I think John Pertwee actually came up with the concept for that himself. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is cool. But anyway, Bessie um, is out on display. I don't know if it's indoor or outdoors. I've never been to the National Motor Museum, so I'm not quite sure. No. Uh, however, may have to make a wee trip now because it sounds very cool because all these other cars and stuff would be great to photograph and have a good old mm. selfie with who won. Yeah. Uh, Bessie. So, yeah. Um, when does this go on display? I think it is now it's on there now and it doesn't say how long it's going to be there for so presumably quite a while uh but it's open now i'm just wondering is that because that was in the dot two experience wasn't it, it was. i'm assuming yeah. there's only one there is uh bessie i yeah. mean it's not like because like the the, the dale boy robin reliant i i would assume they had a couple over the years so i could be wrong but i i think bessie's probably there's only one i know so, what you mean, um though. i reckon yeah. that's uh i reckon that's come from the uh, Doctor Who exhibition. It must in Cardiff, have done. I reckon, because yeah. yeah. it was in the it was in the foyer, wasn't it? At the experience for ages. Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know what you mean, though. Like the Dukes of Hazard car, they had like thirteen of them or something. And a night rider because they kept yeah, blowing yeah. kit up and yeah. No, John Pertwee was a more sensible driver than yeah, trusted <laughs> him with the one and only. <laughs> I love the fact. Didn't he? Um. Didn't he actually? Because the Hoomobile was roadworthy, wasn't it? And I yes. think, didn't he used to just drive around in it and yep. get lots of attention, and, yep. you know, on his days off? That's on one of the DVD extras. Yeah. For something, I'm sure of it. Yeah, he did used to just... Dinosaur one. Yeah. I can't remember, but yeah. Nick the keys and away he went. Yeah, he did <laughs> He was. He did like nicking things. I'm very surprised he didn't take Bessie home with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Bessie, on display. 
Very nice. And that's it for news. Shall we bring our metal tin... Alan. Well, how is he today? Is he a bit more chirpy today? Well, it's kind of a strange day because mm. look out the window, it's sunny, but it's quite hazy. It's a strange thing. And it, all, all I've seen him, he's been in the middle of the garden with his eye stalk pointed to the sky. I think he's looking for maybe a, a Dalek ship's going to appear out of this hazy cloud <laughs> or something. He's, I don't know. Should we bring him in, though? Go on, then. Bring <laughs> him in. <laughs> Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Huh? Oh, oh, he's homesick, apparently. Homesick? Yeah. Oh, right. I don't really know what to say to that. No. Just deal with it. Go on. Away with well, he wants to get back to wants to get back to Scarrow, does he? Scarrow. I've got some bad news for him. <laughs> shh, shh. No, that's not that's not make him any worse. It's he's a, been getting a lot of sympathy from the listeners as well, which I know he's lapping up. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. bit like kids with Santa. He doesn't yeah. know yet. He still shh. believes. <laughs> he still believes Scarrow's there. And anyways, yeah, he's gone. All right, he's gone. He's gone. What has he brought us though? Oh, what he got. What you got? So first up, unofficial books. Mm. Unofficial books. You but don't really got, see many of them. No, they've got quite nice covers though. <laughs> yeah. Although these are going to be, these are, I assume they've been out in print because I'm sure I've actually seen the real thing. But yes. these are going to be, uh, what do you call it when it's online? They've been digitized. E-books. E-booked up. Yeah, am I yes. right in saying that? You are correct, yes. Yeah. So in a strange, well, I wouldn't say strange, but in a weird sort of way, these there are a couple of books that have been out in print for quite a few years. One's called The Doctor's Affect, and one's called The Doctor's Effects. So one's spelt with effect with an A, affect, <laughs> and the other one effects, as in, you know, effects. Special effects, yeah. And... They were, uh, they were both written by a, guy, by a guy called Steve Camden, and he actually worked on the show. Oh, right, okay. Many moons ago. He was one of K-9's um, operators, so I imagine he was there with his remote control and oh. radio control, whatever, and is doing all that stuff. And uh, he essentially has put a load of, um, a load of uh, sort of, not a diary, not a diary, I suppose, but just a load of his recordings of different episodes that he worked on and took loads of behind the scenes photos and loads of notes and all that stuff. Um, the horns of Nymon being one of them. I just noticed that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Megloss as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Destiny of the Daleks. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, state of decay. Yeah. Um, so he's actually, um, uh, so the first, this is from the first book. So the doctor's affect. Mm. So it's his account of, you know, those times on set, you know, working canine into the scenes and all the photos and so on. And then the other book, the second one, The Doctor's Effects, um, it's more about him sort of interviewing lots of other people who have worked on the visual effects side of things. Again, back in the classic years, so discovers things like Tomb of the Cybermen, the Sea Devils, Genesis of the Daleks, Terror of the Zygons, some really good ones in there. There's some good stuff in that, yeah. yeah. Um, the Trial of the Time Lord, all that stuff. And again, it's got loads of photos in there, stuff that the BBC hasn't put out because it's unofficial. It hasn't come from the BBC archives or the Doctor Who bucket somewhere with all the photos mm -hmm. in officially that have been 
taken and released. And it's apparently it's it's been around for a long time, but it, it's only had a limited run, obviously, because it's I assume anyway it wasn't funded by anybody, especially not BBC Books or Penguin Books or anybody like that. Um, but it, now it has been made, as you said, uh, e-booked. It's been made available in digital format. And um, anybody in the world can pick this up now because ultimately it was a, a UK, it was a very small UK um, sort of affair, if you like. It wasn't, it didn't go global. It wasn't that popular. And um, just to give you a bit of spiel, it says, having been a friend of Steve Camden's for nearly 50 years and gone through many of those wonderful 70s Doctor Who fan moments with him, such as meeting actors and the production crew, visiting the Longleat and Blackport um, exhibitions, Longleat, yep, uh, and attending the very first Doctor Appreciation Society convention in 77, I'm delighted to see that his two books can now be read by a worldwide audience. So uh, on Steve's website, which is called 70.net, and it's the word seven and the word zero altogether, .net, um, uh, they've kindly taken his books um, and updated them and made them available. So um, I think this is really, really cool because seldom do you see unofficial books that seem to have this much content and mm. behind-the-scenes stuff and quality and, and so on. Um, so what do you reckon? I'm assuming they're going to be free. Actually, no, you have to pay for them. Hold on, let me find out. I guess so. Well, you're, yeah, we're well, having a look at that. The, I'm sure I've seen. Well, the Doctor's affect. I've definitely seen that actual book. It's in the so Who remember shop the cover. Right yeah. yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah it's in the Who shot. It might be where I've seen it, but I haven't seen inside it. I don't think it's probably in one of those funny, um, clear wrappers. You know, to stop you look getting your fingers all in it. But um, yeah, I'm sure I've seen that one. They do actually sound pretty good because I mean, unofficial books are a bit hit and miss, aren't they? they can so, be. I mean, they can yeah. be a bit. You know, somebody's decided they want to write a Doctor Who book, and oh god. But these, because he was obviously <laughs> involved in the show, and, and I'm quite intrigued by the fact that he sounds like he's taking his own photos on set, so they'd be quite unique to his books, if you see what I mean. So they do sound pretty cool, actually. I mean, I'm. I'm not really one for ebooks and online stuff. I'll be honest with you. I like to have the real thing. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely worth having a look at, I think. Maybe next time I'm in the Who shop, I'll just have a sneaky look at it. Indeed. If, if, if you're allowed to open it, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> If you're allowed to go near <laughs> the shelf. If, yeah. If, yeah, I won't be taking a photo of it, but <laughs> might just take a sneaky look at it. Yeah, because they do, they do sound pretty good. They yeah. do. And I like the fact that it's from somebody that was actually involved. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, like you say, it's not just some some person on the couch, like I'm going to write a Doctor Who book today. Yeah. Uh, this guy was actually there with photos and so on. Now, uh, I jumped the gun and assumed it was a PDF thing. You could just download it. It's not, you still have to purchase it, which is, Completely fair enough. Um, you can buy them both together for £17. That's one seven, not seven zero. Uh, or you can buy them individually for £12 each. Oh. Uh, and they do come signed as well. Oh, do they? Signed? Yes. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, mm. Both books are available, personally signed by Steve himself. So that's 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 for the actual book, not the digital thing, is it? Uh, that's for the um, uh, well no I assume it's a digital signature on there mm, which is very strange. easy to do these days yeah. Um, I'm, yeah just that's what it says on on, on the website there um, and that includes postage and packaging and PayPal fees and all that stuff so 17 quid all in if you want both of them or 12 quid each and there's a couple of little photos on the website and they do look 
pretty good actually. They're well taken. Yeah. It's not just some dodgy old <laughs> um, not a Polaroid Polaroid job. No, they look really cool. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I'll have a look at that. I'll follow the link to the website and have a look. They do sound intriguing. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing on Tat's tray, which uh, I do like the look of this because I've got the I've got the um, previous releases that Koch Media have done, uh, which is these Doctor Who years DVDs that they've been releasing. So coming out, in fact, it's just come out, hasn't it? It's out right now, is uh, The Doctors, and it's called The Tom Baker Years. Um, so previously, we've had the third Doctor Years, and we also had the second Doctor Years. Um, we've got Tom's just been released, and I think the first Doctor is getting a release before Christmas. So um, they're quite nice. I've got the other two releases. Um, funny enough, I, I tried to pick this up at the weekend, um, but uh, the HMV I went into didn't have it. I've got a very sneaky feeling that <laughs> my good friend Adam the Ultimate Hoovian um, may have beat me to it because we, we, we live near each other. We always go to the same HMV. And um, I know this came out on his birthday and they'll have only got one copy in HV. So oh, I've got a feeling yeah. that he, because I saw he got it and I was thinking, I bet he would have only got that from HV. Anyway, so he, the, the previous releases, it's basically what it, what it is. You get um, two DVDs and they've collected together sort of all the, I think it was Myth Makers, wasn't it? I think I'm right in saying that. That's right. You used to put out, you know, various um, video releases and mm-hmm. DVD interviews with people from you know, Doctor Who, and they've collected together sort of all those interviews from the Tom Baker era, basically. Now, I think I'm right in saying that this has got a great, um, a great little documentary on it where Tom goes back to East Hangbourne, Hagbourne, not sure you say it, the, the location where they filmed um, the Android invasion. Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's on there. Uh, as I said, I haven't got this yet, so I need to check, but that's really good. I remember that. I remember that from when it came out before. And it's, it's really cool. Basically, him and Nick Briggs walk around like the Fleur de Lis pub and they go to the funny stone thing that the Doctor gets tied to. And, um, and very bizarrely, uh, what's his name? John Levine. Yeah, John Levine keeps poking his head around the corner of the location. It's really odd. It, <laughs> it really throws me for the interview. But it's a, yeah, so that's on there. Um, who else have we got? So we've got in-depth interviews with Tom. Uh, Elizabeth Sladen, Ian Martin. Now that would be good because I haven't seen much of um, Ian Martin. Obviously played Harry, so I'd, I would be really interested to see that interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louise Jameson, Mary Tam, John Leeson, Canine, and uh, yes, yeah, so there's loads of good stuff, and it's um, five hours worth of material over the two discs. So That's incredible. They yeah. normally they normally retail for about nine ninety nine. For some reason, Amazon seem to keep changing the price on these all the time so sometimes they're 40.99 but i know when i get them from h&v they're normally 9 or 10.99 so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, they're well worth picking up as i said the quality obviously you know they've been filmed you know over the years so it may not be like pin sharp picture but but um but it's good enough do you know what i mean they've cleaned yeah. them up and it's good enough and it's just interesting to hear like you know interviews from people that are sadly no longer with us like sarah elizabeth sladen so yeah. That's yeah, cool. I, I really want this. I really want to get this one. Yeah, uh, at the moment it's priced as nine ninety nine on Amazon. Is it good? Yeah, yeah. and uh, if you want the Hartnell one, that's out on the thirteenth of November. Currently priced oh. at fourteen ninety nine. So, yeah, see, I would that that should come down. Yeah. This, they should be nine ninety nine. I think anyway. Well worth it though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, this is interesting because this particular person we hardly ever hear anything about. No, that's right. Hardly ever. So Sydney Newman, as we all, if anyone has seen 
if you if you know your Doctor Who history, or if you've gone back and watched um, an adventure in space and time, uh, you would know that Sidney Newman was the head of drama at the BBC in the sixties, and uh, he was very instrumental in shaping the um, the program list and the type of programs that were going to be on at the BBC at that time, and worked very very closely with um, Verity Lambert in order to get Doctor Who finished and made and and broadcast and so on. And we hardly hear anything about Sydney. No, that's true. Hardly, hardly at all. He's obviously he's mentioned in that in that mockumentary, um, but hardly ever. So um, a new book is on its way. Uh, it's just called Head of Drama. It's the memoirs of of Sydney Newman, and uh, obviously because of his influence at the BBC at the time and so on. Uh, it, I reckon it will be really interesting to read. Um, what was going on around him at the time when, yeah, you know, because the the book isn't about Doctor Who specifically; it's just about his time um, working in television and his influence and, and all that stuff. And uh, apparently, there's quite a few of them. It's quite a big book. Um, it was written for over quite a few years, right up until his death in 1997. Mm. And um, and it's the first time that they're going to be made public for anybody to read. And this will be out. When's this one out? This is out uh, on the 5th of October. Oh, okay. And if you want it, like it launches a paperback at $17.99 or $13.99 as a Kindle if you're an ebook reader. Uh, so I might pick this up. It does sound like I said, it does sound very interesting. So it'll be nice to read something that isn't always you know, a similar thing that we always, you know, we always read lots of stuff about um, John Nathan Turner, and mm. we read stuff about um, Verity Lambert, but hardly anything from Sydney. So, yes, I might venture into this one. I think it'd be an interesting read. Yeah, I think he's an important person as well. And I, it's funny because this reminds me of, um, um, I think it was an interview with Toby Haydock, I'm not sure, was saying he always thinks it's really bad that Sidney Newman doesn't get a credit on absolutely Doctor Who, yeah. Because like, if you watch Star Trek or anything related to Star Trek, the first you know the first thing you'll see or whatever is you know created from the original idea of, of um, God, his name's just gone completely out of my head. Um, you won't know because you're not a Trekkie. Roddenberry, Gene, Gene Roddenberry. Gene right. Do you know what I mean? He yep. is always credited. You cannot have anything related to Star Trek without you know him getting the credit because he created it. He you know he initiated the, the start of Star Trek. So and I think it was Toby Haydock was saying, you know, it's, it's a real shame, he thinks, that Sidney Newman doesn't get the recognition for that because he did initiate the series. You know, he did sort of create it and get it going. And he just thinks, you know, he does kind of get forgotten about. And I'll be honest with you, I'm as guilty of forgetting about him as well because we're talking about him. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Sidney Newman. I, I just, you know, I don't think if I think Doctor Who, I don't think Sidney Newman. And I think part of me should because he was so important. Yeah. Um, oh, to do I agree. This. So do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think, I think, yeah, I think it was, I'm pretty sure that's what they were saying that he should, you know, should get a little credit somewhere. Like, you know, like if you, if they have the Daleks in it, that always credit Terry nation or whatever. And of course, poor old Ray Kuzak <laughs> always gets forgotten. <laughs> so there's all these really important people that sort of get, you know, lost in the midst of time, but they are very important. So yeah, I, th- I think it's really great actually that, that there's a book coming out of his memoirs. I think it's, um, I think it's a really good thing. No, I totally agree. And it is weird because I'm as guilty of, as like you. I never think of, when I think about the early Hartnell years 
like leading up to an unearthly child and all that stuff. I never think of Sidney Newman outside of the adventure in space and time. So yeah, uh, me too. Weird. I mean, maybe it will happen one day. If we think back to um, all the, all the years where Batman's been out right from the early black and white stuff all the way through, it was always credited as created by Bob Kane. Mm. And I think the family of the other guy that had just as much input and creation into it, uh, uh, his name was Bill Finger. Um, if you look at anything now that's released from DC through with Batman, it says created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. So now he's added to it as the co-creator because his family yeah. campaigned for so many years to get his name on it. And they had to prove, you know, that he came up with the concept and, and all that stuff. So maybe, you know, there is a, there is a possibility of that, but I, I, I'd be absolutely up for that if they stuck, you know, Doctor Who created or co-created by Sidney Newman, that'd be awesome because he does yeah. get forgotten. Poor old Sidney. Yeah, totally mate. Um, finally on Tat's little tray, um, there's a couple of cool, um, commentary CDs coming out from the Phantom guys. Um, so Phantom Publishing, I think they're called, aren't they? Phantom Films. Phantom Films, um, the UK. That's the ones. Yep. Uh, they've done a, they've done a few of these now, haven't they? And they're rattling along with these commentary CDs. So it started off that they did ones for DVDs that were, were released without commentary. So I think for example, the demons might've been one cause they didn't have a commentary on the DVD. They, they, went and recorded one with like Katie Manning and John Levine. So basically what you do is obviously you pop your DVD on as you would, and then you play the CD along with it. Or like I did, I just put it on my um, iTunes and played it on my phone along with the, with the DVD. So it works quite well. Um, but they've done loads of these now. So they've done ones for like remembrance. They've done one for an unearthly child and they've got two new ones coming out or when are they out or are they just coming out? So they're out now. Yeah. They're out now. So, yeah, it's um, the first one is the Claws of Axos commentary uh, with lovely Katie Manning, Richard Franklin, Bernard Holly. Oh, he was a nice guy when I met him, Bernard Holly. Bob Baker, Terence Dix, who's always fun on the commentaries, <laughs> and uh, Michael Ferguson, moderated by the excellent Toby Haydoke. So that's a nice commentary for a good, a good story as well, the Claws of Axos. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they've released um, one called An Adventures in Time. Um, which is kind of a collection. So, so it reminds me a little bit of that DVD I was watching the other night, you know, that Lost in Time, oh, where yes. it kind of brings together a few episodes that they've just got bits and odd bobs from. So this this one, they've got commentaries for uh, the Aztecs, mm-hmm. um, the Romans, the Crusade, and um, a bonus interview on Marco Polo. But of course, they you know, some of these won't be complete. So again, it's sort of a bit... Bit, bits and bobs but they've got some great people on there so you've got William Russell Maureen O'Brien which is great because she doesn't have an awful lot mm-hmm. to do with Doctor Who now so that's really good um, Katie Glover pa- oh Julian Glover yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's on there is he and spotted that yeah and uh, Toby Haydoke's um, moderating those as well so they're pretty good you can download them for nine ninety nine, um, or if you want the physical CD it's ten ninety nine, which isn't bad um, and they do a couple of special editions um, so I think that's for both and they often come signed by, by members of the commentary cast. So, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And they, they vary in price. So they're, they're 39 for the C- two CDs, I think. I that's think right. I'm saying that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty a little good, bit actually. extra. Yeah. Mm. And what's nice about these is they've taken the time to go away and watch it and record their own commentaries and, uh, and then actually release them. Because I know that sounds kind of 
well, yeah, that's the point. But uh, it's just really cool that you know they they still care enough about it to take the time out to go and uh you know watch it record it and so on because it's not yeah it, it it's one thing sitting like we do in front of a mic and doing a podcast that's one thing but to actually get the people who are in the show in the same room together at the same time and keep the the conversation because they're all you know let's be honest they're all o- older uh gentlemen and ladies these days yeah <laughs> uh, you know so it's um and uh, and like you said you know the awesome uh toby haydock is on Pretty much he's, all of these. He's very good at keeping the momentum, isn't he? I yes. like Toby. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I like about them. It's cool that they've they've still got a lot of love for the episodes that they were they they starred in because a lot of people can, you know, do a bit of an Eccleston and just think, ah, that's been and gone. Leave it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but they're happy to yeah. return and take the time. So that's really cool. So Phantom Films and Phantom with an F, not a PH. Phantomfilms.co.uk. If you just click on releases at the top, you'll see them all there and then the new ones are there. Are in there as well. So, what's that? The Claws of Axos and Adventures in Time. Mm. Mm. That's going to do for merch. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, Dalek Tat. <laughs> Look forward to what tat you've got next week. Yeah. Right. Review time. Mm. Happy and sad at the same time about this. Happy and sad. Yes, I'm oh, happy. It's the lot. Yeah. Because we're doing an Eccleston story, but sad because it's going to be our final Eccleston review. Well, next week. Well, next well, week. But yeah, yeah, so yeah we'll conclude start. it. But yeah, yeah it's the beginning of the end. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't like that saying. No. Right, yeah. What are we going to do this week, buddy? So, yeah, so yeah, you're quite right. We're wrapping up the Eccleston era because we've reviewed all of his stories now. Um, we've got to his final, and it's the first part of his final called Bad Wolf. You got chosen. You're a housemate. You're in the house. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Welcome. To the weakest link. We are giving you a brand new image. Why, is there something wrong with what I'm wearing? What was that? Just been evicted. This isn't just a game. Rose, you leave this life with nothing. There's something else going on. We have contestants outside of the gates. My masters, they fear the doctor. Tell me, who are they? That's impossible. I know those ships, they were destroyed. Obviously, they survived. Alert! Alert! We are detected! Bad wolf. Bad wolf here, bad wolf there. Scatter <laughs> those letters. It was brought to our screens in 2005. As you all know, the year that Who came back. Yeah, great uh, year. It was the um, start of the two-parter finale. It was directed by Joe Ahern, written by the awesome Russell T. Davis. And... Uh, Overseen, obviously, by Russell himself and Julie Gardner. And fairly decent cast in this one. I mean, in terms of numbers, quite a decent support cast. And the story is thus, they're back on Satellite 5, although it's not known as Satellite 5 anymore. So they were there 100 years previous. So it links in the way, in a way, to um, the episode that was on a few before this one. So... Is it the long game? The long and, game, yes. Yeah. When they were on Satellite 5 and all that happened with the Jagrafest. Is it Jagrafest? Did I get that right? Oh, I'm not even going to attempt to say that. Oh. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so they're back 100 years later. But what's happened is since the doctor's left and he put a stop to all of the news that was being broadcast from this um, satellite, the Earth kind of came to a standstill because for some reason they just thought, oh, we can't function anymore. 
you know, without, you know, this 24 seven news being beamed down, we can't function. So everything collapsed. Uh, and now what's happened is instead of the news being broadcast out of this satellite, it's now just full up of these pretty horrific game shows. So they've taken, mm. so what Russell T Davis did at the time was he looked at game shows that were on TV in the UK roughly at that time. Uh, so the main one being Big Brother, which the Doctor gets dropped into, but other stuff like The Weakest Link and some other things. And he's turned them into like a kind of weird kind of Japanese um, gore fest of a, of a game show. So when the contestants lose, instead of just being evicted or, you know, booted out, they get killed. They get disintegrated. Or so they think. Mm. and um so the doctor and rose they get plonked into and captain jack by the way they get plonked into these okay what's the game show that captain jack gets plonked into it's the oh uh, what not to wear is it something like that yeah with the two yeah trini and susanna that's the one yes yeah. i know so- far too much i shouldn't know these things <laughs> <laughs> the so-called um stylist icons yeah. at the time uh so they escape from the games and they find out that uh, the satellite is actually being run by an unseen force that's been kind of manipulating everything since the doctor left. And um, the whole thing is run by this kind of strange figure um, that's sort of wired up into the station and she's sort of um, coordinating everything. And and uh, she's kind of been put there as a, as a wee child and she's grown up. That's all she's known is how to coordinate all the channels and 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 to run the station and so on but she's found this little tiny little slot in time where her thoughts are not monitored by the solar flares so she can contact the doctor and get him to stop the evil force that's been manipulating everything which turns out to be the daleks mm. so at the end we find out that the daleks are very much real and back much to the surprise of the doctor and rose and captain jack and uh and that's where it kind of ends the um They've got Rose held captive. They try to blackmail the Doctor. He's having none of it. It kind of puts them into a bit of a shock. And then they start their invasion of Earth, and that's where we're left. So a wee bit of a cliffhanger until we go into parting of the ways. Yeah. So Bad Wolf, what's your initial thoughts on this one? Uh, My initial thoughts are that um, I really like it. I really really enjoy it. I do. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's um, it's basically a build-up. The whole episode is one big build-up. Um, but it doesn't feel filler to me. It's got enough. It's got enough great stuff going on to to make it an enjoyable standalone episode, even though it is the first part of the, you know, the the final. Um, it, it, yeah, I I, could, I could really can quite happily sit and watch this. It's it's funny because, on paper, this sounds like an absolute disaster. I always think like if I'd, you know, if I'd heard a synopsis for this before it aired, I think I would have been like, if, if, if this was rolled out now, let's say that, you know, like the Moff, you know, with the Moffat, whatever they said, oh, next week's story is going to have the doctor plonked into big brother. Rose is going to be on the weakest link. Jackson, what not to wear. I'll be thinking, oh, dearie me, that sounds absolutely <laughs> yeah. awful. Uh-huh. And yet I think it somehow against all odds and I'll, don't know if you agree with me i'll find out in a minute but i think against all odds i think it works incredibly well and uh, i can't put my finger on why because as i said it really shouldn't but it for me it does i really really like it yeah so it's a good it's a good first part of the of the uh, final i think a really good i just love the way it builds i think it builds brilliantly 
Yeah. What do you think, mate? Do you like this one? I do. You do? I like you a lot. Yeah. I like you a lot. Good, um, isn't it? Yeah, I, I like you. I like that you just said that, that it builds mm. a lot throughout the episode. It's, um, you, I remember watching this fresh and thinking, what could it, what could it be? Cause I didn't initially think it was the Daleks because nothing's given away. Yeah. So, I know. So, yeah. Which is really good. So I, when I've watched this for first, I remember watching this years ago and I, I remember thinking, well, who could it be? It, it, it's got to be some, uh, some kind of, is it Cybermen? Is it Daleks? Is it, you know, something. And, uh, it's one of those few times where over the years where the Daleks have been used to both good and bad effect in, in Doctor Who, I think they're used really well in this. Mm. So when the big reveal, cause I like the reveal, it's, um, you just see that huge, massive Dalek sort of mothership and then all the sort of hundreds of all the other ships. And you think, wow, they, they mean business. It's not just a singular mm. Dalek that's kind of on the satellite that's going out to wreak havoc because we kind of had that in the isolated Dalek story, didn't we? Yeah. A few episodes previous. So that can, that shows how sort of menacing and, and sort of uh, the threat that can be induced by just one Dalek on its own. Hmm. But then when you do see an entire Dalek fleet, you do think, oh, wowzers. Yeah. You know, it was, it was an am- yeah. It's an amazing moment because I remember thinking like I watched this when it went out live and and there'd been quite a lot of um, press about the fact that the doc, uh, that the BBC couldn't get the rights to the Daleks and then you know they managed to get them just in time uh, but um, I think the the rumor at the time was that they'd that they could you know only use one Dalek or something and that's why it was just one Dalek in the standalone episode so when yeah like you said when the reveal at the end is the Daleks are back in mass force. I remember being like, oh, you know, <laughs> wow. Cause I thought we'd had our Dalek treat, you know, I thought, well, the BBC managed to get him, but you know, they could only do that one Dalek story or whatever. And, and here they are. And it just made the impact of having them all back. It's almost a bit like when the doctor sees him, cause he's, he can't believe it. Can he? He's like, you, you should have died in the time war. How, and how the hell are you here? You know? And I was a bit like that as a viewer. I was just like, Oh, Wow. You know, this is amazing. Like loads of Daleks. I mean, you know, bearing in mind as a Doctor Who fan, we hadn't seen the Daleks for how long was it off air? 16 years, whatever it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. And, you know, well, we'd seen them actually in the began movies of, or heard them in the yeah. beginning. But, but you know what I mean? It was quite a big thing uh, to see, you know, that we were going to get. And of course, the, the cliffhanger as well just leaves you thinking, Wow, because you get the next time trailer with all the Daleks flying out the ship, and you just it just I just remember being blown away, and and I just could not wait for the following week. I was just like, this is this is fantastic, you know. Russell's really pulled out the bag, sort of thing. Because I, I I'm not sure, but I think I thought the first time watching this, I think I thought to myself, it's probably something like the master behind this, or I remember thinking it's going to be something special because it's the final, and he kept saying, who's behind this? And I was sort of thinking, well, who like you, who could it be? And I think I might have thought it was the master, even though he was nowhere on the radar at that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, it was a great reveal, the Daleks at the end. I thought, like you said, you don't really see it coming. You know, I mean, obviously we all know now, but at the time, yeah, didn't see it coming. It's really, yeah. really cool. And it, we kind of share the Doctor's reaction as well. For those mm. of, those people that haven't seen it before and they've watched it for the first time, you're you're having the same shock factor as the doc because he Eccleston plays that really well he's 
because he he genuinely doesn't know the Daleks are back. Because in the story Dalek, that one Dalek is there because it's been sort of held captive, hasn't it? As a kind of yeah, it's like a treasure yeah, toy a, of the guy, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So to see them sort of as an active threat like that mm. and their fleet is just so cool. And it, I, one of the things I'm, I'm glad you mentioned at the beginning is just the build up throughout this episode is so good. It's brilliant. Russell T. Davis is really, really good at that. He's really good at sort of planting the seed early on, but then not going too crazy early on. It's a nice uh, sort of crescendo into that reveal at the end. It's just, yeah, very, very well done. And it gets more and more, what I love about it is it gets more and more sinister as the episode goes on, doesn't it? So mm. it starts quite lighthearted with, you know, Chris sitting in the Big Brother chair saying, are you kidding me? And Jack's having his little <laughs> naked makeover and it's all very sort of silly and fun. But but it just slowly gets more and more sinister. And then you suddenly realize that people are being disintegrated, like in the Big Brother house and mm-hmm. Android kicks off and goes mad. And you're thinking, OK, this is actually quite nasty. Um, you know, and then there's a bit where Linda with a wise telling the doctor about the other game shows, which you don't get to see like stars in their eyes. <laughs> you know, and you're sort of thinking it's really black humor and it. Russell's really writing some great dark comedy here she's like no it's literally stars in your eyes you know if you don't sing well and all this and you're just sort of imagining all these horrific game shows that he's turned on their head mm-hmm. um and it's a great idea i mean it's funny because these shows i know a lot of people out there will be saying yes but he picked shows that were famous at the time which aren't now so that does date the episode and it's supposed to be in the future but it doesn't bother me and i don't know about you but it, it really doesn't bother me it, i can see why people say that because it does date it slightly but at the end of the day who knows what's happening in the future i mean game shows get axed and then come back years later all the time like all the time you know yeah. all the time so it's it, it's not really a big deal as far as i'm concerned you know i could see this happening in the future to be honest it's just yeah i, I get why people think it, it dates it but I, oh. it doesn't bother me no, I, I think you. Android's yeah. brilliant. I actually really, really love that. The um, Android. Especially as Android, especially yeah. as Anne Robinson's doing the voice for it. Mm-hmm. Just makes it perfect. Um, I mean, the only thing is, uh, it's, it's, it's almost as scary as the real Anne Robinson, yeah. but not quite. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, I think she's brilliant, the Android thing. Yeah, love that bit. Because Rose is just all jolly, isn't she? She's like, oh, it's all good fun. What are you worried about? Until something gets... <laughs> disintegrated <laughs> yeah Regent. it's interesting because a lot of people do pick up on that a lot of people do say oh it dates it, it feels really dated now and um that they should have made they just use sort of made up game shows you know like fictional things that wasn't linked to real life because it yeah. kind of puts a pin in 2005 for doctor who because you can't move past it because the game shows are of its time but like you i don't it doesn't really bother me too much to be honest i think it's just like you no. say, game shows come back all the time. How many times have, you know, game shows come back years later? Yeah, and yeah. And they probably I mean, always it, will. It does surprise me slightly, though. I mean, I am slightly surprised that Russell did that um, because he is quite forward-thinking. And I, it, it does seem obvious, you know, I, I'm just surprised that he did go with these well-known things. I mean, God, Big Brother is still <laughs> going. It, you know, just unfortunately, about. <laughs> it's, it's still on. So... There's, you know, but it, I must admit, it, it is a surprising choice of his to to fix things because I would have thought when he was writing at the time, he might have taken that into consideration. Um, but also, there's the sort of copyright thing as well. I mean, it must have been. It amazes me that they got all this because, like, you know, they've got the Big Brother theme all the way through the first five minutes, haven't they? The actual proper theme tune. I'm assuming it's 
not uh, Murray doing a bit. No, it, I'm sure it's the proper, no, it's theme. The proper theme. Yeah. 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 And they've got like the, the symbolism on the doors and everything. And I don't know, there's so much when you start using stuff like that, there's so much um, red tape in terms of copyright and, mm-hmm. and also getting the rights to release it on DVD and using the music, you know, you're, you, you're sort of, th- you're making um, hard work for yourself in other words. So I'm surprised that he did go with that rather than, creating even shows that maybe were similar to it but he could have perhaps got away with it do you know what i mean but to actually be so bold as to say no this is big brother this is the weakest link this mm-hmm. isn't a you know a, an unusual move but but yeah it, yeah as i said i think it's fine i think it works really well mm, quite brave in that respect because i think yeah if memory serves none of these sh- uh, hold on the Big Brother wasn't even on the BBC. It was on Channel no, Four. No, no, Channel it? Four. Yeah. yeah, Channel Four. It's Channel Five now, isn't it? Yeah, so it's yeah. a bit of a yeah, a bit of a legal nightmare to try and get it all in there. But yeah, um, yeah. But I think you know that aside, I think it still works, regardless of these shows of you know of its time, so to say, mm. back in the I early two thousand. We- but I think the weakest link one works the best. I think that's <laughs> so good, and I think it's interesting to see. Um, uh, Patterson Joseph as Roderick because he's really like <laughs> he's he's figured it all out and he's like when he mm-hmm. says to Rose I'm going to keep you in because you're so thick you know if yeah. I go up against you in the final I've won for sure so you know I'm keeping you in and I, it made me think mate you know last week we did we reviewed the Horns of Ni- uh, Horns of Nymon and um, that guy was offered the part of the Doctor and we were saying, oh, you know, he turned it down. What was he called? Um, Soul Deed guy. Soul Deed, yeah. Jeff. I can't remember the actor's name. Oh, but, um, him, yes. <laughs> he was offered the part of the fourth Doctor and turned it down. And I was thinking this week we're reviewing Bad Wolf and you've got um, Patterson Joseph, who who I I think the story's right. Somebody out there will know for sure. But he was offered the part of the Doctor, wasn't he? And turned it down. Or at least he was he was definitely in the running, that guy. I'm sure he was offered it and turned it down. But I think it's one of those stories of like we'll never know the truth but i've yes. definitely read that he you know could have been the doctor but but even you know didn't get it or turned it down or something so yeah. i was thinking that's interesting two stories on the trot where we've seen potential future doctors that for one reason or another didn't actually get the role or take the role yeah i think his name was banded around a lot he yeah. was like the favorite if you like to replace sure. David Tennant, but nothing, nothing was ever confirmed by him or Russell or anybody at the BBC. It was just one of those names that was put out there a bit like, um, who's the guy? Chris Marshall. Yes. A bit like that where yeah. Chris Marshall or the BBC have never said whether he actually auditioned for the role or if he's, you know, anything like that. It was the same situation where his name was put out there and it just gathered momentum. That's right. And he was kind of like the, the book is favourite, if you like. You know, if you're going to put money on someone being the next Doctor, it was him. Yeah. But then he, Matt Smith was announced, and everyone was like, "Oh, what happened to um, what happened to Joseph then?" But neither Joseph nor anyone else had said, "Yeah, I, I went for an audition for it." His name was just out there for no reason. But I think somebody did because that was a rumor for ages. I think somebody recently, it might have been the Moth, or somebody did blurt out, "Oh, yes, you know, he could have been the first black doctor who or something like that right and i right. can't think who it was because it kind of it still wasn't confirmed but somebody like the mothball or something recently or fairly recently in an interview did sort of confirm it but they didn't again they didn't name him they just said oh we, we came very close in 
2000 whatever to getting our first black Doctor Who yeah, black there, actor as Doctor Who there was another black actor that was that was his name was banded around when Matt Smith was leaving oh really okay so there's been mm. two instances and it was the guy that's in Spooks I think the TV series Spooks his character name and his real name escapes me of course but uh. <laughs> um, yeah so there was that I know what you mean though it's mm. yeah so whether it was him or Joseph I'm not quite sure uh, Patterson Joseph I'm not sure mm. But going mm. back to his character in this, though, he's quite good, isn't he? Because he's, I mean, he's not very nice, is he? But he's just basically covering his own back, I suppose. Yeah, yeah you'd he's, say. I, th- I think we get more of him in Part of the Weights. We do. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't know about you. I resisted watching Me Part too. Two to the next yeah. week. I really yeah. wanted to, but but I resisted it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think obviously that's the main drive in in this first part anyway. Uh, Bad Wolf. That's like the driving theme of the of the story is the game show aspect because it's not until the final sort of 10, 15 minutes that all three of all three of them. So the doctor along with, um, uh, what's her name? Something with a Y. What's her name? Linda, Linda. with a Y. Linda. Yeah. Uh, it's not until the doctor Linda and, uh, Jack escape at their respective game shows. And they're out into like the, main infrastructure and they're on their way to floor 500 to find out what's going on it's that's only in the last sort of 10 minutes really or 15 minutes of the show um so it's it's that the game show side of it is like the driving force if you like yeah and uh which we don't see you know hardly any of it really in part two so that aside what do you reckon to kind of you know directing in this in story pacing editing and so on it's definitely got that classic can we say classic who yet we can't can we it's definitely got that <laughs> early doctor who 2005 feel to it which i absolutely love i love the eccleston series i do i love series one i agree i think it's brilliant um yeah one of the notes i made actually was uh, i thought it was very nicely directed by um what was her name joe ahern uh-huh, yep yeah i thought it was nicely directed especially the end where we get the sort of high up shot of Eccleston saying, I'm coming to sort you Daleks out. You better watch out. <laughs> that was a lovely, lovely shot. But um, the other note I made was uh, about the lighting. I don't know if you thought it, I mean, it might sound, I don't want to be like, yeah, the lighting was fabulous, but, but it really, <laughs> it really did look amazing. Like the way it was lit, like there's scenes where like Eccleston's half in the shadow and the rest of it's all bright red and blue grates behind us. Again, this is so beautifully uh-huh. shot and so brilliantly lit to give such an atmospheric, you know, feel to the episode. It's yeah. I, I thought the direction and, and overall production was was really good. And um, I didn't think the CGI was that bad, considering it's like what twelve years old now. Yes, twelve years. So yep. I didn't yep. think it was too bad actually. We get some nice shots of Satellite Five, and um, yeah, I didn't sort of cringe and think, oh dear, that's dated badly, or mm-hmm. or anything like that. Or I didn't think any of the sets looked particularly bad. I mean, they're quite sparse, I suppose, but. Um, yeah, production-wise, I just thought, yeah, it's 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 nice. It's it's, it's all looks pretty good. I thought hmm. there was a couple of things that I noticed about the production. Really, the first one was like you. I thought it was the the scenes. Every scene looks really nice. Yeah, they even got the it sounds weird, but they even got the the look and feel of the game shows correct as well. So yeah, <laughs> when the Doctor's in the Big Brother house, it's kind of just, it's just standard, you know, strip lighting pretty much. It's you know looks fairly standard, but um, the weakest link, they've nailed that, like the lights, the Absolutely. laser lights behind them and all that stuff. So they've nailed that. But yeah, like you say, all the other scenes when they're outside of that all look really nice. It's lit beautifully. 
Um, but it is weird because there are a few scenes where I don't think they've they've got the original film stock available. It only happens two or three times, and the first time it happens is when uh, Linda is leaning up against the wall talking to the Doctor just before. Oh, and it goes grainy. Eviction. Yeah, there's a, there's a few scenes where... I noticed that, and I've never noticed it before. Yeah. That's so weird. I noticed that yesterday. It, I'm glad you did, because I thought... When I first watched I it, I thought... I never oh. noticed it before, though. Yeah. And that's the one. That's the only downside to these early episodes going onto Blu-ray. Because yeah, yeah. the high definition just heightens that lack of quality and that grain even more. So I, I, I actually watched this last night on Netflix. Oh, right. Um, because I was on my iPad and I thought, I'm going to watch it now because, you know... Um, and it looks okay on Netflix. Um, but I remember when the last time I watched it before this was when I first got Series 1 on Blu-ray. And when those scenes popped up, I thought, oh, crikey, they look really bad. So I think what's happened is they've they've had to... Something's happened to the film in that mm. particular take. I'm not sure what's happened, but it only happens a few times. But it's a real shame because it's a really nice scene where Linda's sort of leaning up against the wall and she's talking to the Doctor and finding out what he's trying to do and... Yeah, what he's up to, but it just looks terrible. It's like it's terribly. really grainy. Yeah. yeah, it's funny though, isn't it? Because um, so would I have only noticed that because I I did watch the Blu-ray last mm. night when I watched this, and I must admit, um, I normally just just because the Blu-ray's upstairs in my on my shelf, <laughs> I normally when we're reviewing um, anything from you know anything from series one mm-hmm. i would normally just watch it on dvd because the dvd is downstairs because i've kind of got the d i've still right. got the dvd i haven't got rid of it um but because i couldn't get to it because everything's moved around because of our building work i had i come upstairs and got the blu-ray and it's probably the first time i've actually watched it on blu-ray and i was and it's weird you say that because i noticed it straight away i was like i thought oh is it a fault what's happened to the picture oh no mm-hmm. it's back to it's back now and i was thinking the same as you i was thinking oh clearly they've you know they've lost the original film or something there because it's such a short scene but it's the same with um there's a star trek next generation i've got now actually mentions it on the box it says you know due to the nature of blah 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 um, a couple of scenes are not in hd or whatever and i'm like oh so it's the same sort of thing the same with the um i've got the x files um remastered um blu-ray box set and it's the same on that there are just a few scenes here and there where it goes really soft and grainy and yeah so it's it's weird how film how stock is affected. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, little tiny yes. faults aside, directing was um, pretty good. Lighting was beautiful. Uh, pacing was good actually. Pacing's good. Moves along at a nice. We don't we don't stick around in one particular scene that long. It moves around fairly quickly, which is good. And I love Murray's music in this. Mm. I love Murray's music in series one. Actually, it's definitely. I know we've said it, but it's definitely got a different feel to it. But that that chorus that keeps building up throughout the episode, you know that that har, um, uh-huh. harmony of mm-hmm. oh, oh, what would you call it? Um, it's like a choir, choir. yeah, a choir, choir build up, yeah. but it's it's so good. It just slowly keeps rumbling until the Daleks come on when it really hits up. And I, again, I kept thinking, can't wait till next to watch next <laughs> week's because you know I know it all kicks off next week and we get you know there are some scenes that I remember very clearly from Pine of the Wait and I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to watching it I mean I d- I'm not going to say whether I like it or don't like it because I honestly don't know if it will live up to how I remember it because I haven't watched it for a while but but yeah I was listening to Murray's music and this thinking this is great stuff he's yeah. you know he's he's kind of more understated I feel um in his first soundtrack in his first sort of outing on Doc 2 he's 
little bit more. I don't know. It's just got a different feel. Doesn't it feel so. Has. Doesn't yep. feel so orchestrated. Yeah. I don't think. And he came up with some really nice themes as well for series one, especially Rose's theme. So I love Rose's theme. When um, when um, uh, Roderick mentions to Rose that it's the Bad Wolf Corporation, mm. the music stops instantly, and you hear Rose's theme or something in the uh, the Doctor's theme actually. So you hear the Doctor's theme mm. in the background, and it's just that high. It's that chorus singer, isn't it? The lady who does does the high pitched kind of. Is it the late? Yeah, I couldn't remember because I remember yeah. when it's not the guy, is it? What's no, the one that the no. guy sings that sounds like a woman? Oh, that's the Rings of Akaten. Oh, never. Uh, yeah, is it? Uh, I never forget when he walks on at the at the proms, and you're like, I've always assumed that was a woman singing that. Oh, this yeah. Guy. No, yeah, I know. I know not who you that, mean. It? It's no. not that. No. Um, yeah. So Murray's themes are really iconic, straight off the bat. He, you know, he really nice stuff. Full yeah. force into Doctor Who when when he got signed on to do it. He must be rubbing his hands together because it's such a rich universe to write music for. But yeah. Um, but yeah, he's definitely moved as we've gone through the years. He's 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 moved more to sort of generic action um, sort of music. I'm not saying his music isn't great; it still is. But in these early couple of series, it's very different. Definitely has a different feel. It doesn't to it. feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a different feel. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some characters. Um, so we have the real people voicing their um, killer game show. Yeah, that's um, a nice touch, isn't it? Replacements. Must be quite fun. Yeah, so Davina McCall as a Davina droid and Anne Robinson as Anne droid. Very good. Uh, mm. Trini and Susanna, those people. Um, would it have worked without them? Yeah, it would have done, but it's it's more fun because somebody like Anne Robinson, you can tell it's her. Do you know I mean, she's because yeah. she's got that nasally quite vicious tone. <laughs> Um, I, I just think it's a really nice that they've actually got the proper people to do it. Yeah, I think it's really nice. It would have worked without it, but it's um, it definitely makes it feel a little bit more real and bringing you into that world, doesn't it? You mm-hmm. know, I like to think that Anne Robinson's got that. That it, like if it was me, I'd have that Android in my house <laughs> <laughs> making the tea. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it would have done, but I think it adds a little bit of legitimacy to yeah to it all, just to have the. Because I know we had the official music for Big Brother and we've got the official logo. Um, but not only that, they also created the essence of the shows as well. So we have the diary room That's right, in yeah. the Big Brother house and we have the sayings as well, like you are the weakest link. Yeah. Goodbye. So they've, yeah, it's really cool. But I like that they've the voices are there because it does give a bit more. The only ones I didn't recognize because I never watched it was the Trini and Susanna the two women who like the stylists the two robots yeah well i'm ashamed to say i did i did used to oh, watch God. it i don't know why um but that is a bit of a cheeky scene though isn't it because old barryman's getting his kit off which we all know he loves to do and then then he produces that little what's it called a compact laser deluxe yeah. I think that's very cheeky uh, that's russell for you isn't it? it she even says where'd you get that from <laughs> you don't want to know with, no clothes yeah very cheeky but it does it does raise a smile apparently they they did um, they did cut his buttocks, didn't they? From the story, they were you'd, originally he was stood there. That's right. Yep. With his little buttocks out, but they uh, decided at the time. Whoever they are, the production tells me somewhere on Wiki, the production team, I think, yeah. decided it was a little bit too much. A bit risque. That's a bit too yeah. torchwood. For... I think we needed to yeah. see them. I'll be honest with you. We get the idea. Yeah. Uh, if it was torchwood, we would have seen them. But 
oh god well, we'd have probably seen everything it was yeah. But yeah yeah but that's quite a fun little scene yeah that, did your um sorry go on. Uh, that's russell he's so he can be so cheeky, cheeky. Can't he? with his script right in his yeah, yeah. i guess did your heart did your heart um stop for a second when rose gets obliterated though because i know when i first watched this i was like <gasps> i mean i knew she i was thinking she can't be dead but it's just the fact that he's the you know the doctor's like picking up the ash off the floor and it, Chris is acting superb in, mm. at that point. And he's like really properly just destroyed, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Like when the guards are taking him away, you can just see he's absolutely like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, we all know, probably know that she, you know, survives. But I, I, it's well done though, isn't it? Like I think if you're watching this for the first time, you might have just for a minute thought, oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, Rose has just been turned to dust. She's yes. awesome, though. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of going from somebody who's cracking up laughing because she thinks mm-hmm. he's on a game show that's just, you know, mm-hmm. she can't believe it. She's a big joke, she thinks, to them being petrified of being killed. And then when you think she's going to make it, you know, zap. I kept thinking as well, though, why do they just stand there to get shot? Why don't they run? Like when Android obliterates them, you know. But I guess um, she kind of does run doesn't she to be fair because i kept thinking that you know like when the woman next to her gets shot i was thinking why don't run you silly woman why are you just standing there taking it but rose kind of does run and gets still gets obliterated so maybe you can't maybe there is no escape from android in that room i don't know well she does get warned doesn't she um roderick does say there's no escape don't try to escape yeah yeah so she does get warned but when i think when she sees the doctor she legs it and yeah Bless. What happens to him? Do you know, I can't wait for next week. What I can't, I honestly can't think what happens to Roderick. Yeah. But he's asking for it. He's got to get. He's got to go, isn't he? I'm sure he can't survive. I think there's something he's too, about. He's too unlikable. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something about. Sure, sure. He yeah. gets swindled out of his credits that he supposedly won, and he kicks <laughs> off about it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, um, yeah. So I love that they did the voices um, for their respective characters. Uh, what do you reckon to the two controllers, if you like, uh, the programmers? We had the guy who kind of suspects that something's been going on. He's been making some notes and stuff um, yeah. about some suspicious data that's been coming in and so on. And um, uh, so the guy, Joe Stone Fewings, and uh, the other female programmer played by Nisha Nayar, they're kind of... There's a bit of flirting going on here, isn't oh, there? I was going to say. They, I know it picks up more next week, but they, there's mm. a little bit of a, a knowing nod. Did you pick going up on as with well? these two? Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I seem to remember. I'm seem to remember next week they get a bit more flirting when they've got a couple of guns in their hands. But yeah, I yeah I thought these two were quite, <laughs> quite quite. Uh, I was going to say sweet, but that's not true because they're actually quite. They're, they're not bad people, are they? I guess they're just doing a job for want of a better phrase but you do kind of wonder why they're going along with all this but yeah there's definitely a little spark between those two isn't there yes there is i quite like and i the... thought they acted it quite well they weren't too yeah. over the top with it yeah i was going to say i quite like their acting it's quite good mm. um what do you think to the extras that were in the other so the the two people that were in the big brother house and the other contestants who were um, in well... the weakest link they were Sort of standard, weren't they? Standard extra stuff. Standard extras, yeah. I mean, matey in the Big Brother house was perhaps a bit too... Bit annoying. Yeah, I mean, thankfully he's not in it very much. I was going to say, I mean, I'd, 
there's very little I could fault with this episode. But, you know, if you were going to nitpick, I'd say he was a bit hammy, you know. <laughs> but he's hardly in it, is he? It's just that when he's going, oh, that's not fair. I've been here for ages. And he's sort of kicking off a bit. I was just thinking, oh, shut up. Um, but whereas the, whereas the other extras in the Weakest Link bit, I thought were, were better. Like, especially better. the woman yep. who gets shot because she actually does look, <laughs> she does actually look quite petrified, bless her. Yeah. Um, so they were better. But yeah, no, if you want to nitpick, I suppose the... The guy in the Big Brother house was a bit, bit OTT, but yeah, yeah. he's bit... hardly in it. So yeah, uh, and what about the the actress who was kind of suspended up on? She was like the main. Controller. I like that a lot. Mm. I I like the design of it. Like this whole idea of this person with all these things plugged in with all these things. I mean, I, I, every time I see that, I think I'm sure I've, that's from something else. I'm sure that's like. I can never place it. I don't know about you. It always reminds me of something. I'm sure they've, I'm yeah. not saying they've copied something, but I'm sure something's influenced that because it just looks like, every time I see it, it reminds me of something and I can't think what. But I think it looks great and I really like the actress, you know, playing the part. What's she called? She's just called the controller, the controller. isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, because she, she looks great. Um, And when she's like, trying to tell the doctor, you know, is it, how does she manage to, she gets like a, a brief moment when she can shield her thoughts from the Daleks and she gets to sort of tell him. Yeah. The solar then, flares. The shield. solar flares. Yeah. Is it? I thought it was a great scene. I really love the way she just sort of quickly blurts it all out. And then she's like, no, I'm just going to carry on and tell you anyway. And gets burnt up. And then does she get shot at the end? I can't remember. Yeah. Because it's transported, doesn't she? And that's right. She gets, they all think that she's been disintegrated, but as yeah. Captain Jack finds out, it's not really a disintegration thing. It's another transmat system. Yeah. So she gets transported to the Dalek ship and then it's game over. And and yeah, do they just shoot her? They do, yeah. She looks really yeah. cool. I love the design. Mm. Like when we get to see her, because she's all blue, isn't she, when she's yeah. connected up. When we get to see her in like a more natural form, it's, it's a real cool, like... Um, don't know, like the hair and stuff, the way they've sort of made her look. She just looks really unusual. She does. And, uh, yeah. I would have, wouldn't have minded seeing a bit more of her character, really. But yeah, I think she just gets shot, doesn't she? She does. It's uh, a bit heartbreaking. I can imagine, yeah, I can imagine Rose looking after her a bit more. I think that's a shame, actually. They could have could have explored that character more. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, because I think the um the the male programmer guy, he says that she was installed, quote unquote, as a small child. So that's like the yeah. only thing she's ever known is to be plugged in to the system and and that's it mm. so. i love the way jack's just flirting with everybody <laughs> like when that controller comes over he's like hi i'm uh, captain jack hartness by the way and the doctor's just like leave it alone jack we've got <laughs> got better you know got more important things to do he's like all right yeah <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> lovely little moments like that to break up the tension isn't there yeah and even when he says i'm only saying hello and he's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's they enough break for you. a great team though don't they those three like eccleston yeah. jack and rose are, are a really cool little tardis team yeah they do. yeah uh okay what about captain jack then he's I, good he's really good in this i think he's really good in this one because he yeah. has a really good mix of humor and kind of action. real action yeah. caring about you know especially about rose mm. you know he's really cut up along with the doctor about rose being supposedly disintegrated but the, the funny bits are when he's obviously in the show with trini and Susanna, and they're making him naked and he's getting dressed and everything that's all funny but then when he escapes and he's with the doctor and they're trying to find out what's going on he's really sort of into it he's 
going along with it really well. But he has these little pockets of humour still, like you said, where he's flirting with everybody. Yeah. Mm. I, I loved him in it. I mean, I, I really like that scene as well when the when they get captured and the doc, the three of them are just all sat in the cage and the doctor's like, looks at Jack, doesn't he? He's like, right, let's do this. And mm. then they all start kicking ass and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack's just, yeah, he's just got a bit of everything. Yeah. I, I can't fault him. Loved him in this, yeah. Yeah, you even see the doctor throwing a few guards around. I know, him. yeah, I forgot about that. That's yeah, pretty he's good. getting bit stuck of, in there, isn't he? A bit of Pertwee coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So yeah, John Barrymore, I really liked him in this. Really good. Did Jack yeah. really well. Uh, what about Rose? She's good in it. Yeah, she's good <laughs> in it. I don't. She's not in it as much as I remembered. Uh, I don't know, or, or at least maybe I'm mixing up part two because I, I just remember her being quite pivotal to the plot. Part two, uh, mate. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking of part two. So, but yeah, she's fine in it. I wouldn't say she's giving anything. I didn't sort of think, God, Billy Piper was excellent in this. Like, but yeah, she's good in it. Don't get me wrong, she's good. Yeah, the main thing I liked about Rose in this one was we don't see whiny, pining. No, that's true. Jealous Rose in this one. We see her just uh, trying to. She 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 plays that being stunned. You know, when Mm. she just gets dropped into the game show and she's stunned and she doesn't know what's going on, and then she has that moment where she's cracking up. She's thinking, "Why are you lot?" you know, allowing yourselves to be part of this. It's ridiculous. But then there's that real fear in her face when the first contestant gets disintegrated and she's really crapping herself. She's like... The, the bit I love is when she realises that the doctor's not there to save her. Hmm. And she's... Because she's like... It comes to the, her turn to be shot and she's like, well, no, this can't be happening because surely the doctor's about to come around the corner and save me. I can't believe... This can't be right. And she's really, like, probably scared. And that... I think, didn't they come back to that a bit with Clara and the 12th Doctor where she says like, well, he's always here to save me. Yes. So they sort of get used to the Doctor being there to, you know, always going to save them. And then when they realise that there might come a day when that doesn't happen, it's like, oh, (laughs) poop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm too used. They get used to it, don't they? Just Mm -hmm. think they're just too used to the Doctor being there. So that's a quite a nice moment, Mm -hmm. I thought, when she's like properly like, oh, (laughs) can't say the word but oh <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and i like the phases that she goes through as well so she's she's stunned and worried and then she's okay because the doctor's gonna come and get her and she's all happy and then she's fearful and then yeah. she's even more fearful where she wakes up on the dalek ship and she realized that there are daleks there and she can't believe it and that's really cool yeah, yeah. so i like her in this she's not too yeah, she's bad good. Yeah. yeah and mr eccleston he's excellent in this I, I really, really love Chris in this. Well, I, I, I think I love Chris in everything in this series, actually. <laughs> but but he is he is good in this. I mean, as I said, you know, I think given given somebody else put into this story, it may not have worked so well. Because the thing with Chris is, even in ridiculous situations where you're plonking the Doctor in Big Brother House, which, as I said before, sounds stupid, Chris really pulls that off. You know, he looks proper like, you know, uh, well, I'm not, I'm just going to get out of here. He just, he's very no nonsense. And what I love about Chris is that he can act with his eyes. Like he can give a stare and the emotion in that man's face, you know, just tells a thousand stories. And, uh, you know, the, the, the scene at the end, um, the cliffhanger, I just think he's on fire, yeah. you know, when he's like, well, the thing I love about that is normally a cliffhanger. It's like everyone's panicking. It's all peril cue the music what i love about that cliffhanger is that 
Russell turned it on its head. And the doctor actually says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come up there. I'm going to save you. And then I'm going to wipe every single one of you off the face <laughs> of the planet. And it's like, whoa, yeah. the doctor's properly like going to, you know, sort some, you know, what out here. This is, <laughs> this is something else. And I just, I just think he's incredible in it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I just can't fault him, mate. I think he's he's excellent. Every stinking Dalek. Yeah, he really goes for it. And that that cliffhanger, man. He's not happy. It, but it's 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 just like because you believe it as well. You're like, you know, it's not the Doctor looking terrified of oh god, what am I going to do now? It's the Doctor saying, right, you know, I'm not having any of this, <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to come up there in a minute and sort it out. And you're thinking, wow, I've got to wait next week to see the Doctor's going to really sort that lot out. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's really really nice, you know, to turn that cliffhanger on its head like that. Yeah, that's yeah. no, awesome. I totally agree. I think Eccleston is... he sells it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He sells this perfectly. Yeah. Even the bits that could be potentially cringeworthy when he's in the Big Brother house and stuff. Yeah. He's just playing it really, really well. And the scenes where, again, like Rose, he, does, he can't quite believe that the people are going along with it. He doesn't... You know, he has the same sort of realisation that Rose does. You know, when the contestant goes out into the hallway... She gets disintegrated. As soon as that happens, he sort of wakes up and he's like, whoa, you know, and that's when he sort of goes into another gear. And then when him and Jack break out of that uh, cell with the guards and he jumps yeah. up to four or 500, he goes up into another gear. And he's yeah, just, he looks like he means business there, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's just on it, like from start to finish. He's just completely on it. And I love watching Eccleston like that. It's, it's just his face, mate. I, I'm so engaged by Eccleston when he's on screen. He, he's just something about him. Like, yeah, he, he's fantastic. No pun intended, but he really is. There's a nice scenes with him and Linda with a Y as well. That instant, he instantly likes her, doesn't he? Yes. You yeah. know, like when she says, oh, well, you know, I'm sweet. And he's like, well, no one's going to vote for sweet, you know, and all that sort of stuff. It's just some lovely scenes between them two. Um, we'll probably talk more about Linda with a Y next week, won't we? But that she's often touted as the companion that never was. Never but was. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I'll just, we'll talk about her more next week, but I'm just going to say, I really liked her in this story. Yeah. I do, do instantly warm to her, I think. Yeah. I was going to say she's, she plays a bit more of an important role, uh, in, in part two of this, but yeah. in this one, she does have some sweet moments where she asked the doctor, you know, I could come with you. That's why people say, you know, she could have been the companion. Yeah. And his face lights up. He's like, yeah, if you like, He's quite on board, isn't he, with it? Yeah. Yeah. Because she does seem quite sweet and she does seem, I don't think whether she, I don't know whether she'd be the best companion in the world. She seems a bit too. She's a little bit too similar to Rose, but yeah. if you know what I mean. She, and also she clearly fancies the doctor, which we, you know, we don't want any more of that again, but yeah. <laughs> so in that case might be, but she, yeah, she's quite, yeah, she's quite endearing in her own way, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Is there anything you want to mention before we go on to our score? Onto the scores, I don't think there is actually. No, I think I'm just looking at my list. Um, no, I think I've, we've covered it, mate. Cool. I think yeah. I think it's my turn to go first. Go on, you go first. So I'm going to give this an eight point five. Oh, right. Okay. Um, well, I'm giving it an eight. Um, yeah. Don't know. I really, really did like it. Actually, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you there on an eight point five. I am going to give it an eight point five. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to match you because it is really good. It is really good. So eight point five for me as well. Actually, okay, cool. Yeah, I I, I just can't. Yeah, I can't think why I would 
would go any lower than that. I agree with you. It's a really, really good, fun episode. Um, sinister, but fun. Yeah. 8.5 as well. Yeah. I'll describe it as that as well. Yeah. It's got a sinister feel to it. Good build up. Loads lots of, of fun. Yeah. Lots <laughs> of, yeah. It's a really fun watch actually. I think it's that trio that Dr. Jack and yeah. I think it just works so well. Yeah. I yeah. agree. What did our beautiful listeners think? We've got loads of audio clips in, so I'm going to get through those in a second. But over on Twitter, uh, a siren says, great episode, but the references are really dated. Hmm. Oh, dear. Over on Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, what a cracker of an episode. Uh, only fault being it is dated because of the Big Brother part, the weakest link, etc. Uh, though I doubt those watching this for the first time would even know what the references are. Um, he says how I wish Linda with a Y was a companion I've got a thing for cliffhangers where there's no real action just the doctor being brave Uh, this and Hartnell facing up the war machine spring to mind yes they do oh yeah that's a very good point yeah even Captain Jack is good in this one Uh, a cracker Mm. of a penultimate episode and a cracker of a season he gives it 9 out of 10 yes Miles McKenzie a true hidden gem love the chemistry between the characters in the games and the Dr. Jack and Rose everyone was excellent in this as well also love Linda the one thing I got I have a problem with is the villain it just doesn't seem like something the Daleks would do it's probably just me um, but part two more than makes up for it so a solid 8.5 no I did think that actually it's not just you I mean I, I kind of let, let it go but I did think that as well. I was thinking it doesn't seem a very Dalek-y plan. doesn't seem a Dalek master plan. But but yeah, I can get past that. Uh, Finn Morris-Young says, A great ending for a great Doctor, 9 out of 10. Mm. Zach Zenkin, absolutely brilliant in capitals. Chris Parry, loved the mix of goofiness with the various game shows, but also the dark turn of events with Rose's death, quote-unquote. Uh, Eccleston was at his absolute best here. Such a shame that he left. Yes. Uh, Jason Thayer, the first part is kind of a misfire with all the reality TV parodies, although the weakest link robot is still funny. Eight out of 10. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and Joseph Howarth says, this is a great first part. What is possibly my favorite season finale. Uh, the show parodies, the weakest link, etc. Um, and it is rather dated though. Uh, the Android always cracks me up. Linda with a Y should have been the perfect companion to bring series to bring to series two. Uh, otherwise a great story. Eight out of 10. Mm hmm. And I'm going to smash... Have you got anything on the Geek's Handbag for Adidas Audio Clips? Because we've got quite a few uh, of those. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I did get a few. I'm just going to... I'm not going to read them all because a lot of the comments were um, were, were quite in-depth. So thank you for that. And if you want to read them, then just head over to Geek's Handbag. But but uh, pretty positive, mate, really. So Jack's, Jack Wildspin said it's a great penultimate episode and gave it 8 out of 10. Charlie Turner, our old mate, says he freaking loves this one. <laughs> he gives it a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, Paul Villiano, he'll... He'll kill me if he gets around. It says it's a, a nice bit. Is um, it's the weakest link in the Big Brother references. Um, uh, yeah, he just quite enjoys it, really. Uh, Reese Jenkins said uh, this episode is hands down one of his all-time favourites. Dean Jones says it's a fantastic first part to the final, gives it a nine out of ten. Hendrix Chaplin said um, Bad Wolf combines all the best elements of the series. Uh, it doesn't give it a score, but he really likes it. Maria, now we can never say her name. Maria Kalilichu. Kalilichu said she'd forgotten how good the first part is and she really enjoyed it as well. And uh, Callum Johnston says it's an amazing start to one of the best two-parters since the show returns and he gives it a 10 out of 10. Um, thanks all for all your comments. As I said, if you want to read more in depth what they say, just head over to the Facebook page and have a look because uh, some really good stuff going on there. 
Thank you very much, guys. Now, we did get Thank you. Uh, quite a bunch of audio clips, and we've got nine in this yes. one. Yes, love, love the audio clips, guys. So we're going to rattle through those one by one. Let's kick off with somebody who you might remember. Oh, Hello, Gary and Adam at the Big Blue hey. Box podcast. It's been a while since I said that. I'm back. Yay! But it's time to get in to uh, Eccleston's finale, the, part, the first part of it anyway, Bad Wolf. Uh, I really like this episode. I like the, the kind of central plot of the using TV shows for uh, entertainment, but in a kind of sci-fied way. Really interesting. Really interesting take on what other people would see with these TV shows, how they could be used. And I really enjoy the fact we get to see a bit of Weakest Link. Um, we get John Barrowman being told he's sexy by robots, which is strange. Um, and we also get Eccleston on Big Brother, which is funny. Um, apart from that, I really enjoy all the main characters here. I think all the actors do a really good job, especially Eccleston in his role is fantastic, especially um, in the Big Brother scenes um, and with Linda with the Y. I think that's her name. Um, I really like the whole computer thing as well with uh, that person that's wired up. I think that's a really interesting plot on. Um, again, obviously, I'll get into part two next week. But overall, I say it's a very strong first part to uh, the final and Chris Eccleston's last story, um, which is weird to say because he hasn't lasted long as in the role. Hopefully, there's some big finish soon. Would you guys like to see that? Um, but I, I really enjoy it. I have to give it a nine point five. I don't have any problems with it. I really don't. I think it's all fantastic. Anyway, guys, I'll see you guys all very soon. Thank you very much. That's our old friend Alex Kingdom, if I'm not mistaken. Indeedy. Good to have you back. He's been uh, busy with life in general for quite a while now. but It gets in the way, doesn't it? The last time we heard from Alex was months and months ago. And I think his voice has broken since we last heard from I, him. I didn't want to say anything. I did notice he'd gone a bit deeper. Oh, our listeners are growing up, see? I know. There we are. Uh, let's crack on. This is Lewis Palmer. Hello, Big Blue Box Podcast. I blooming love Bad Wolf. I think it's a perfect example of Christopher Eccleston's era as the Doctor. Classic Doctor Who, but with a modern contemporary twist. Although the modern contemporary twist doesn't exactly age well here. I can't really imagine kids nowadays even knowing what the weakest link is. Uh, but I'll let that slide, because it's a damn good story on its own. It's... The, the the Daleks are so threatening. You only get glimpses of them here, but when they when they come, the twist, knowing what one Dalek can do from from the Dalek episode earlier in the series, it just gives you a sinking feeling that the Doctor and his friends are really in a tough situation here. I think it's the Doctor put at his wit's end almost that will get further taken in in parting of the ways but it, it's just the start of the end of of just one of my favorite doctors definitely um I, I just love uh bad wolf i think it's really nice twist on the game show thing and it's uh yeah it's just a really great story uh 8.5 i think just because of the how dated it can be sometimes but uh yeah uh see you guys thank you very much lewis thanks lewis this is sammy satine G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, Bad Wolf. 
I wouldn't normally want to start off with a negative, but the cliffhanger was a bit met for this one. I mean, I love Russell and all, but that wasn't his best cliffhanger. I mean, couldn't Rose have just woken up with a Dalek coming towards her? Anyway, naked Captain Jack Harkness. Nice. I like Linda. I also like the controller. The TV show is used to date now, but still, love the android joke. Billy, John, Chris, all good. Eight out of ten. See ya. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you, Sammy. Liking a bit of um, bit of Jack there. <laughs> Liking a bit of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like the cliffhanger though. It surprises me. I I really like it, but I get what she means. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go on to Owen Daly. Hello again, Adam. Hope you're both well and enjoying the show this week. So, Bad Wolf. I overlooked this episode and I'm ashamed of it because I love it. I really, really love the story. From the android robot to um, Big Brother to whatever the hell Jack was in. It's so fun and also has a very serious undertone. And I really, really love the cliffhanger of the story. And it's a cliffhanger that sticks out to me when I first watched this. Because I remember that whole Dalek Empire. When that came on at the end of the episode, I knew Doctor Who was in trouble and I knew I could not wait to see Parting of the Ways. And that's what a good cliffhanger does. Um, overall, the story's great. Um, and it le- it's, the, it's kind of the calming before the storm because this story is kind of calm and then at the end it just builds up into this big climax and that's great. Russell T. Davis at its finest. So, Bad Wolf, I'm going to give an 8 out of 10. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Cheers, wow. Owen. Yeah, calm before the storm. That's a good way of describing it. Yeah, indeedy. Uh, right, yeah, Martin Arnold. Hey, everybody. Um, given the fact that this episode has um, an intro that's quite terrifying, given that it's based on appalling British game show franchises, which I cannot stand, it would be very easy to write this off. But it's actually got a very, very good story that resolves brilliantly in the um, the parting of the ways. And I think it's certainly to Russell T. Davis and everyone else involved credit that they actually fleshed out season one to give it a lot more depth through the whole bad wolf um, sort of meme. Um, and and so instead of it just being a very safe reboot with, you know, Doctor Who going in the past, Doctor Who going in the future, Doctor Who having some fun in the modern day, and, and sort of leaving it there, you know, they, they I guess you could say, took a gamble with, with introducing, reintroducing the Daleks, um, very much as they have traditionally been, um, for the most part, um, and it works, it works brilliantly, and it shows that Russell T has a lot of faith in the franchise and a lot of love for it, um, as does everyone else involved. You know, I don't want to just single him out. Um, it's a shame that Chris didn't go on. It would have been, it's a nice sort of alternate universe to think that, you know, he could have lasted a couple more seasons before David Tennant took over. But obviously that wasn't to be. But that said, it does kind of make season one a kind of standalone um episode or standalone sort of um, piece that I think works quite well in the, in the whole scheme of things. Um, so I give, I give bad wolf, um, a definite eight out of 10. It's, it's a, it's a very, very good episode. Um, thanks very much. Interesting. Yes. Thank you very much. Cause I sometimes do, I do view it a little bit like that where series one is kind of a, on its own standalone thing because Eccleston's only there. I know there. what you mean. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, it does have that isolated yeah. feel to it. Uh, anyway, thank you very much, Martin. Uh, let's do Loopy Lou. Hello, Gary, Adam, and listeners alike. The big bad wolf. So, one thing I strongly disagree with is the line, never wear black with colour. Black with colour is funky as! 
Anyway, the bit after Rosa zapped and they assume she's dead and the Doctor is in complete shock, I thought Barrowman's acting in the background was really, really good. It really added to a very powerful moment. Speaking of acting, I thought the controller was amazing. Really, really amazing. All the characters are good, really. That Dalek theme, though, oh, that just sends shivers down the spine. I forgot how much I love the music of this era. Seriously, cannot fault this episode. It's RTD era and it's Eccleston, which is perfection. I give it an 8 out of 10 only because I'm not a fan of all the game show element. So, yeah, this is me signing out. Bye. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lou. I love it when people say zapped. I like that one. Zapped. Just a bit zapped. Right. Jake Bert all. Hello, Gary and Adam and the rest of the listeners of this week's Big Blue Box podcast. This is the fifth time I've tried to record this because every time I hear my voice back, I just cringe inside and I'm just going to get on with it. And if it doesn't work, sod it. Uh, anyway, Bad Wolf. I thought this episode was fantastic. Pun really wasn't intended. I I, I didn't mean... The Ninth Doctor has ruined the word fantastic in a good way. Um, But it really was fantastic. And the whole future uh, lethal game station, all these reality shows and whatever. I thought that was really funny. And I I really did like the android. I thought that was a very funny pun. And android. When it did seemingly kill Rose, I was shocked at first. And it, it... it made me cry. And Eccleston's performance in this episode is just... It's fantastic that pun was intended. Uh, he's just... He's on fire. And I really do wish we had a second series with him in it. But anyway, I'm going to give this episode an 8.5. Goodbye, Gary and Adam and the rest of the listeners. Bye. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Hey, first time he sent in. Uh, let's crack on. Let's do George Puddy. Hello, Garen Adam. It's me, uh, George from Pixel Park Reviews. And now here is my review of Bad Wolf. It's weird to think when this was first uh, transmitted. I was uh, one years old. But uh, yeah, um, the game show element is quite funny, despite it dating the episode quite a bit. Um, I love the TARDIS team of uh, the Ninth Doctor, uh, Rose and Captain Jack. Chris uh, Eccleston is on right on form in this episode. Uh, I don't actually think there's an episode where he's not on form, to be honest. Um, Rose seems more like her uh, Series 2 self, however, when playing uh, the weakest link rather than her Series 1 self that I quite enjoy. Um, uh, did you get the uh, Tortured reference? Uh, I don't know if you did. Uh, but yeah, there was one in there. Um, the controller is quite creepy. Um, I do love the tone, and, uh, the music from Murray Gold is, uh, superb as well. Um, why are the Daleks willing to kill Rose, but not the Doctor? Like, why would they, uh, put her transmat beam from Rose to a dark ship, but they're not willing to transmat the Doctor to a dark ship? It's quite weird. And the Dalek reveal is amazing, and the cliffhanger is incredibly gripping it just makes you want to uh watch on so uh my score hmm, i'm gonna it was a 7 out of 10 but i think because it's a good standalone story its own right rather than just a first part i'll give it an 8 out of 10 see you guys uh next week 
See ya. Oh, thank you very much, George. Nice one. Sounded like he had a lot of notes there. He did. Yes. Yeah. Researched. Which is very much I like to see. Yes. yes. And our last audio clip. This is James Coleman. Hi, Gary and Adam. Here's my review of Bad Wolf. So I think this was a great episode with good pacing and a mysterious storyline. I think the Doctor is on form as usual, but Rose is oblivious through most of the episode and takes on the role of the damsel in distress by the end. I think Jack is very comfortable in the role at this point and is probably the funniest character of the episode. I think the supporting cast are interesting, with my favourite being Lydia, who I think would have made a great companion. Uh, The the episode is mainly cheesy callbacks to popular reality shows at the time, but has very dark overtones as well. Uh, I think the moment when Rose is disintegrated is quite dramatic and is a great reveal of the Daleks, and they seem to be more of a threat than in recent years. Uh, And I like the reference to the Aesop galaxy, which was from the web planet. And and the episode ends with a cheesy but awesome speech from the Doctor. So I'm going to give this episode an 8 out of 10, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you very much, James. Thank you. Yeah, I hadn't noticed the Web Planet um, uh, quote or whatever it was there. I'll have, to, I'll have to look out for that next time I watch it. I haven't picked it up on that. Yeah, I think it was... Um, yeah, I, I read the ages ago about it. Yeah, it was mm. something about the Web Planet. Um, anyways, that's all our audio clippage. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for sending in all your uh, reviews and thoughts and so on. It's all good. Um, now, next week... It's kind of obvious, although maybe not. Uh, what are we going to do next week, buddy? Yeah, so next week we'll be concluding this two-parter um, with the parting of the ways. So Chris's last story. Um, I can't wait for this, mate. Honestly, I mean, I just can't wait to rewatch this story. I, I hope it's um, I hope it's as good as I remember. I, I know there's a scene in it that reduces me to rubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every time so i'm gonna have some tissues to, to hand but yeah i can't wait to rewatch this one yeah it's gonna be good so we're not doing classic we're just gonna stick with eccleston and do his um his final two parts some justice we'll do them both together so next week we'll be parting of the ways so get that one watched as well mm. if you didn't watch it like like us who wanted to watch it fresh next week um and we look forward to your audio clips and facebook reviews and all that stuff so uh Yes, next week, Parting of the Ways. And I think we're going to do there for 158. Yes. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 158. Quite sad to be doing Eccleston's last ones. I know. That stubborn bugger. Why didn't he do a second, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Oh, well. But thank you so oh. much for um, jumping up to Facebook and Twitter and taking the time to record audio clips. We love your audio clips. Keep them coming I do. in. We've got loads this week. Yeah. So that's really awesome. So next week, Partner of the Ways, get that watched. And then look out for the social stuff to get your thoughts in. And yes, get your... Uh, Get your audio clip over. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is our recent um, uh, job openings, <laughs> so if you can call yeah. them that, I suppose. Uh, we're expanding our team. We're taking on a couple of writers who can contribute regularly uh, to the um, to the website and get articles up there, consisting of whatever you like, reviews, thoughts, feelings, all that stuff. 
we've got loads of loads of applications in so far but we'll keep it rolling for another few days and we'll speak to that person or people and announce them next week so i haven't replied to uh, all the emails but rest assured i've got all your emails in um so yes if you're interested in joining our team as a writer then just uh, head over to the website there's a post there called join our team you can check the deets there so thank you very much to those who have applied so far head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all the episodes on there plus you can link off to the social stuff and you can subscribe on itunes and all the podcast directories and if you're an itunes listener a review or a rating would be awesome we've got a couple of really nice reviews in recently so thank you so much for that that really helps us and remember to check out adam's channel the geeks handbag yes do have a look <laughs> do have a browse have a peruse around adam's <laughs> videos very very good just do a search on youtube for the geeks handbag and also give them a like on facebook and twitter loads and loads of cool videos of adam's on there you can't go wrong no, you can't go wrong. <laughs> uh, what's the next one that's coming up? I think you said... Uh, are you going to um, do a video for all these Titans? There's loads of Titans that you've unboxed recently. And... No, the next one, I'm doing a little look at the Mr. Men books. Dr. Oh, Mr. Men books, cool. and then, um, And then also my video meet... Well, just meeting Rusty Davis, although you don't see me meeting him, but he's in it. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, those are the two coming up, but um, I'm still editing at the minute. But, yeah, they, they shouldn't take long. Should be up soon. Ah, very nice. Yeah. So, man, check out the Geek's Handbag. Let's do it to no music. Oh, is it gone? It's gone. What happened to the... Did we miss it? We've just been chatting too much, mate. Oh, there we go. This is like the gag reel at the end of films. Until next week. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Eh...